Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I want to be able to word it right and give them the right thing to say and know that they're loved and they've got two daddies and they might not have a mummy in their life, but they've got an amazing surrogate mother who, you know, is the bestest human being in the world, in my eyes, the fact that she she did this amazing thing for myself and Carl. So sometimes in the house, if we have Hollyoaks on and I'm on screen, they're like, Daddy, why are you on telly? Or why are you dressed like that? Or what are you doing this for? So to explain it to, I don't think they understand it yet because they are only four years old. Hello and welcome to Some Families. I am Lottie Jeffs. And I am Stuart Lee. Hello, welcome one and all. And guess what? It's only Blooming Pride Month, everyone. It is Happy Pride, everyone, however you're celebrating Ooh. this June. We have a fantastic episode for you today with Kieran Richardson. For those of you who don't know, Kieran, and really you should, because Kieran is a fabulous actor who is currently in Hollyoaks and he is a dad to four-year-old twins with his husband Carl via surrogacy. But before we speak to Kieran, Lottie, how the devil are you? I'm doing okay. We're recording this in the middle of the day, which is quite rare for us. We normally do it, record it in the evenings when the kids are in bed. So I'm slightly, um, I won't lie, Dis- I'm slightly stressed today because I'm in the middle of oh. work. Daughter's gone to bed for her nap, but the nanny just texted to say she's going to be running half an hour late. My wife is about to record a really important live webinar for this big industry thing. So I'm slightly like on edge. Let me give you a tip that my daughter told me the other day. Like literally my five-year-old daughter looked at me and went, Daddy, you're really stressed. Just take a deep breath. (gasps) Oh, thank you. That's a really good tip. Okay, I'm going to do it now. So in and out. I feel better already. But yeah, I agree. I feel a bit discombobulated because it's the middle of the day and yeah, it feels very strange. But wonderful because the sun's out and it's it's a nice day. But how has your week been in general? It's been good, thank you. Oh, I made a mental note to, to talk to you about something that happened in the park at the weekend. We went for a, a little picnic with our fellow lesbian mum friends who have a little boy who's the same age as our daughter. And we were all in the park and I don't know about you, but you just forget that you're like two mums and kids you just forget like I totally you forget you're forget. a gay yeah 
hundred percent. And there was another family with children and one minute you know what it's like you're having a picnic and like the kids run off and one of you goes off with them one time and then you come back and then the other one goes off so I'd been with my daughter as she ran around the first time and we met this other family and then when my my wife went off with her and bumped into the same other family we were just sort of chatting and the woman from the other family said oh is she yours and my wife was like yeah and the woman was like well we just saw her with another woman we thought she was the mother and then my mm. wife said, yeah, that's my wife. And the woman's face was apparently just like an absolute picture of just like complete confusion. And then because we were with two other mums, then obviously this family were just like looking over, just like really trying to make sense of us all. Which is just funny because it's the first time that that's happened. That's um, so funny that, that she I've had noticed. that reaction. I know really bizarre i was half expecting you to say that she did the little britain thing and just did that kind of like, kind of like <laughs> it honestly it's a felt lesbian. Like she might have done yeah it was it sort of seemed really like disproportionately shocked how about you what have you been up to i've been working actually a lot this week so it's been trying to balance like spending time with the kids as much as I can but I do enjoy it when I have that balance it makes such a difference it like harks back to thinking through lockdown when I was with them all the time and it feels nice to have that balance again which which is good and I'm lucky with my work as well that I actually get to get out of the house and and away as well so I can have that moment of coming home and having their faces run up to me going daddy 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 and it's it's lovely and I I really miss that so this week's been super busy but but good. But I did catch up the series finale of Modern Family. And I do just want to make a note because I've talked about it a lot and the relationship mm. that Mitch and Cam have to their a daughter. I was wondering if by the time I actually finished the season, because we've been kind of saving it a bit instead of binging it, whether I was justified in my comments of what I've been saying about Mitch and Cam, about how actually I just think that they treat Lily really badly and I don't think they're a great representation of an adoptive couple generally. But I think I was justified in... And actually, spoiler alert, in case anyone hasn't watched, but the end episode where they do end up adopting another baby just felt really off-tone and I just felt they just didn't... It just wasn't approached in a, I, I feel, an appropriate way. And I think they still treated their daughter like she was not part of the family. And in fact, my husband pointed it out, in the final scene when the entire family are hugging together, Lily's not even in it. It's really weird. And I don't oh, get why no. she wouldn't be. I just, I just, I feel there's a, a weird tone with that show and adoption. And I'd love to know if any of our listeners agree but I just wanted to get that off my chest as well because I've talked about it a lot in show and tell so I just wanted to <laughs> consider it <laughs> express that removed from your chest <laughs> it's removed it's removed but hang on from one tv show to another I believe we have a Hollyoaks superstar knocking at our door maybe he can make like a sort of soap opera entrance should we let him in <laughs> Kieran, is that you? Hello. Thanks for having me. So, Kieran, welcome to Some Families. How are you today and where are you talking to us from? I'm at my home today in the spare bedroom, which we don't really use. So I just put pieces of artwork, which is basically Cheryl Cole, Kate Winslet, my two obsessions. Oh, my God. Yeah. I used to have a similar. I remember having a Kate Winslet 
picture in my bedroom when I was growing up. Did gay men like Kate Winslet and then lesbians like Leo? Because I loved Leo DiCaprio in Titanic. I was obsessed with Kate Winslet. I remember watching it. I think I was 11 years old and I remember hounding my nana being like, please buy me the video. I just want to see it. I just want to see it. And then I got it. Then I watched it a million times to the point where I remember getting plain paper and just writing it the script out without even watching it I knew really? it word for word and I think I was just obsessed with the English Rose type character that she played obviously thought she was beautiful then being in school and art classes everyone else was you know drawing power ranges and things like that and I was like I'm gonna draw Kate Winslet yeah, I've always been obsessed with her. <laughs> she was a gay icon. I mean, she still is. Off topic, the mayor of East Town is oh, amazing. It's I'm only so a few good. episodes in, but it's so good. That is completely off topic. <laughs> so we want to talk to you today because obviously you yourself are a gay dad and you have two, can I just say, gorgeous four-year-old twins. So tell us a little bit about what a day in the life is like for, for the Richardson family. So it's quite hectic even from the morning time, because we're all four of us are in the same bed. I know we shouldn't be. We've tried our hardest, but that's just how it happens. They don't start in their they start in their own bed, but they end up in our bed basically. So we wake up. I'm like a little fish finger at the end of this side of the bed, and my husband Carl's on the opposite side. And Phoebe and Chase are literally sprawled sprawled out in the middle. So then it's if I've got work in the morning, then you have to like prepare the night before to make sure that all the uniforms are ready for nursery. So all that, then I'll have to rush to work, and then Carl's. I've got the task of getting them showered and making sure they brush their teeth and getting the breakfast down them. In the meantime, they, they want to watch anything they can on telly. They're like, just one cartoon before school, please. I'm like, no, you got to eat your breakfast. Basically, a rush to get them to school for nine o'clock. And then my husband, he goes to work, I'm in work. And then we check in on the little app thing that we've got to see what they've been doing in the nursery that day. And then 3.20, we pick them up. And they're at the age now, because they're four years old, they've started to get into different things. So... They both like gymnastics, so they go to gymnastics on a Thursday. They've got swimming on a Tuesday. They did go to dance classes, but it wasn't for them. I think they were a bit too young, to be fair. I'm having that same thing with um, my three-year-old, where he comes into our bed almost every night and, and like wake up in the morning with him. Do you get? Do you do the thing where they lay on your arm? I like literally lay there with a dead arm from about four in the morning, just like waiting for him to wake without trying to move. <laughs> Do you have it with two? Not to be fair, like they're not into like, oh, I need to touch you with cuddles or we oh. call it huggles. So it's a half a hug and half a cuddle. So they call it huggles. They they just want to be there with us, not necessarily like arms and legs all sprawled all over us. But we've tried everything for the bedtime routine. So they go to bed at seven and we do story time and we get peace and quiet for about two hours. And then at nine o'clock... Phoebe will come downstairs and she she's like, Daddy, I want to go to your bed now. And I'm like, no, get back in your bed, please. And she's like, no, please come to bed with me. So then I have to go to bed every night at nine o'clock. And then Chase probably gets in at about midnight. But then a few weeks ago, there was four nights on the bounce where Chase just didn't come to, to bed at night time. He stayed in his own bed. So <laughs> we're like, yes, we've cracked it. And then after the fourth night in the morning, I went in to see him. And you know the movie, Something About Mary, where mm-hmm. she's got the fringe up like that? Where it's all stuck up. Well, Chase, Chase's hair was like that, but it was just chocolate <laughs> all in his hair at the top. So that's and, what he'd been um, up to. With some investigation, he'd been getting up in the night, going downstairs, <gasps> going in the chocolate cupboard, bringing it all to his bed. So we had this little stash of oh my Kit God. Kat wrappers and Twixes and <laughs> <Clever boy. laughs> everything. Yeah, so we thought we'd cracked it. <laughs> that's so funny. 
is yeah very um, clever. And just to pick up on you taking yeah. the kids to gymnastics and stuff, like, do you feel? And inter- I'm interested, Stu, to know what you think about this. To what extent do you like push your own interests as a parent onto your kids and like try and encourage them to do things that you like? Because my daughter's only three, so I only take her to like an arts and crafts class. But I was just wondering, like, if you had any advice for parents about that. I'm not flexible. Let me just say that. So I never did gymnastics or anything like that as a kid. My passion obviously was acting and things. So we wanted to get them into things and we're not pushing them. We're trying little things. Like I say, we tried dance. Wasn't really for them. So we stopped that. Obviously, swimming is the one thing where I'm like, I don't care. I'm really going to push you to do this because it's a safety aspect. And, you know, going on holidays and things, you want to be able to know that they're capable in the water. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gymnastics, again, is, is a fun thing for them. They've They've made little friendship groups now in there and they do this thing every week. Like, who's the star of the week? And they get the certificate. And yeah, they do good listening for that and listen to the teacher while they, they get certificates. And now that's like an incentive that they, they want to win this certificate every oh, week. Do you think you'd want them to do drama? Yeah, well, when, when they were tiny babies, part of the development things, I was doing lots of faces and acting just like the basic, let's copy daddy and do shock face or happy face so they were great at that and getting into it but then I don't know whether they understand it yet so sometimes in the house if we have Hollyoaks on and I'm on screen they're like (laughs) daddy why are you on telly or why are you dressed like that or what are you doing this for so to explain it to I don't think they understand it yet because they are only four years old but have you taken um, them to set yeah but they were tiny tiny babies so they because I feel that might blow their mind a little well sometimes they do make me laugh when if it's on again because the theme tune's quite intense they're like, Daddy, Daddy, not Hollyoaks. <laughs> not Hollyoaks. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm going to watch Daddy on telly now. Love it. Oh. But I think it's an interesting thing you mentioned, Lottie, because, I mean, I've been dealing with this lately because I hate football. I know nothing about it. But my husband's family have been buying the kids football goals and things. And I'm like, oh, God, like, neither of us are into football. And I'm like, what if they get into football? Like, talking about, like, other people's, like, pushing your interests or rather not putting your interests on your kids. I'm just like, God, I really don't want to be, like, a, a soccer dad. You might not have a choice, though, if they're into it, right? <laughs> I know, I know. But everything I can do to try and, like, persuade them not to, I'm trying. But it's hard. And I suppose you've got to think about on a Saturday morning when it's freezing outside and you're going to be um stood at the side of a pitch exactly well i suppose if they want to do it you've got to but my goal for that no pun intended is that if my husband's brother-in-law wants them to do that he can be the one to take them early on a sunday morning in the rain is my is my viewpoint (laughs) (laughs) so kieran you came out 11 years ago very openly on this morning the tv show with holly and phil obviously now thinking about what Phil did himself that takes on a interesting new resonance of what he was maybe thinking when you were doing that at the time but when that happened did you imagine yourself being a parent at that point of your coming out journey? No I would say one of the main factors of being quite nervous about coming out especially to my mother because I've never had the best relationship with my dad was she's all about family and I was thinking I'm the eldest of her children and I'm going to be the one that doesn't provide grandkids just because of my sexuality. Which back then, even 10, 11 years ago, there wasn't many people that I could look to and relate and be like, oh, they're doing it, so there is a possibility for me. Just from how I grew up and my education and what was on television at the time, as I say, there was nothing that I could aspire to be. And one of the reasons of me being scared was, yeah, letting my mum down and thinking that her eldest wouldn't provide 
grandkids. So that's one of the reasons why I was a bit apprehensive about doing it. And then the only reason that I kind of got the gumption to be like, you know what, I'm just going to tell everybody and I don't care. I've got nothing to be ashamed of. There was newspapers that were trying to force me to say it. And I didn't believe that one, you should get paid for it because they do. They pay you to reveal your story. And I think it's weird to be on the front of a newspaper to say, guess what, guys, I'm gay. Now give me all this Mm. money. I don't agree with that. And I also don't agree with them pressuring you to do it as well. I feel like it's every it's an individual choice when you're totally. ready and not because a newspaper has gay kiss and tell stories on you. So that's the reason why I chose to do it so publicly to kind of stick the fingers up really at this certain journalist that was trying to do it and make it make it as a negative put a negative spin on it saying that there was gay kiss and tell stories. So that's why I did it so publicly and obviously didn't get paid for it and hopefully it would have mm. inspired other young LGBT plus community people to, yeah, come out when they were ready. So how long after the interview did you meet Carl? Or did you know Carl at the time? We was already together at that point. So we met in a nightclub on Canal Street in Manchester in 2007, I think. And at this point, I came out in 2010. So yeah, we were already together at that point. And our families knew and our friends knew, but... Yeah, but publicly. Yeah. At what stage did you and Carl then start talking about having children and where that conversation then obviously led you? Our best friend is a lesbian and she wants kids and we wanted kids. So we always had the discussion being like, well, if we can't find anybody to do it for us, she was like, I'll do it. And that was what we'd planned to do. And then we got married in 2015 and some pictures went out of the wedding because it was big gay camp. We had 12 brides instead of bridesmaids in 12 different wedding dresses so a few people were talking about it so when we started to get asked in interviews so what's next then you're married now you're gonna have kids we were like yeah 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 we've got a best friend probably do it with her and then I got contacted off Barry Druitt Barlow who was one of the first same-sex couples in the UK to do IVF and via a surrogate so then he just started chatting to me and I was just asking lots of questions and saying please can just any guidance that account to try and make this um, a reality and then yeah from there we ended up finding the British Surrogacy Centre and meeting loads of different surrogates and speaking to counsellors and then going down the egg donation route and yeah it was quite a long process and three IVF attempts until it worked. And what made you realise or decide that doing it with your friend wasn't the right way of doing it for you i i remember somebody saying in all the questions that i was asking about surrogacy they said obviously you can do it with your friend and stuff like that but i don't know if it's the law or legal that if you were to have a surrogate they have had to they have to have had their own baby first before they then do surrogacy and she had right so she was gonna it wasn't gonna be like a queer family set up where she was a parent as well no she was just she was going to do it for us and then go oh, and okay. have her own family with her wife or whoever she met in the future. But I think there is a law that um, surrogates have to have had their own baby first before then deciding to do surrogacy. Do you think it would have made it more complicated if you'd done it with a, a friend now, knowing what you know now about the process? Um, I don't know about complicated, but because we see her all the time and she's always around here and it's just... The way that myself and my husband parent, and then if she was there as well, then you're getting somebody else's vibe on it, and maybe they all didn't marry up together, then 
would it be a bit awkward because she wasn't saying that that child would have been her she was kind of handing over the baby to us so maybe it would have Mm. it would have brought complications so now obviously the twins are four how do you feel it's changed you as a as a parent changed both of you as parents in that time so it's just everything changes in your life completely like we had no responsibilities carefree go where we want do what we want but now we've got these two amazing little things and they come first before everything so every decision that we make it's always how does this affect phoebe and chase their schedule everything that we've got planned has to they have to come first, including work things as well. Yeah, even like we've just set up a new business at the minute, which is all for them, for the future. And again, not forcing them to wanting to go into a certain direction or career path, but then trying to set up this little business that that's always there for them as well to make sure that they're financially stable, as well as all the love that they've got in the house. Want to be able to to be able to make sure they're not wanting for anything. How do you find the balance with working? Because I'd imagine as an actor, you're doing quite long hours a lot of days and you're away on set, etc. Like, how do you balance that? I think at, at the beginning I struggled because I only had two weeks off work for paternity because of the storyline that I was doing at the time. My character was up for murder, even though I wasn't the killer in the end. So we had a big court case to film, which uh, was quite heavy and... Obviously, to plan paternity was quite difficult because of the, we had several failed IVF attempts. There was never a point where I could be like, right, can you write me out of stories at this point? So when we did get pregnant, the story was already on its way. So I had to kind of fulfill the commitments for that. So my husband basically took on full, full-time parent role on his own while I was at work for that first few weeks, which was quite heartbreaking, to be fair, because I could see this bond happening. And I was like, I want to be there. And I can't, I've got to go out and I've got to earn the money. So yeah, night times were a struggle, because then I was trying to like, I'll do every single feed in the night, but then trying to work 12 hour days as well, I was just completely exhausted. I don't think anyone can prepare you for the tiredness that you do actually go through. And I was thinking, imagine like mothers that give birth and that last trimester, they must be so tired, because you know, they're the carrying this baby inside, it's taking all the nutrients and all that. And then, you know, sometimes you have to go for a C-section, which completely wipes you off your feet. And then you've got this newborn baby and tiredness and everything else kicking in, where we went into it fresh as a daisy, like <laughs> had a full night's sleep the night before. Then the next day we've got twins and we were still so tired. So I can only imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine actually what mothers go through. Um, and so you mentioned then just like your roles at the beginning, because really because of work. What are you and your husband's parenting roles now, do you think? And how have they changed? I would say I'm the, always the one that's a bit more apprehensive about doing things and like, oh, no, they might fall over. Please don't let them run. Don't let them do this. Carl's quite carefree and he's the imaginative one that's always like building dens and just being like a dad dad. And I'm like, let's <laughs> put nice clothes on and eat lovely food and keep nice and clean so you're completely different in that way um but we're also always on the same page i'd say we never really had an argument where we disagree about a parenting choice what do they call you both so i'm daddy and carl is dada i don't know where that came from or why we decided on that um that they were just the names that we decided but to be fair they even though that's our names they just call me daddy kieran and he's daddy carl but we we're like, I'm daddy and he's dada. But they just <laughs> oh, say their own little things for us. <laughs> or if they want to wind us up, I am just Kieran. We're similar. We're I'm daddy and my husband's dad. And 
the daddy element of it I've been questioning because it's great now so my kids are five three and two but when they get to be teenagers or even in their 20s plus like am I still gonna want to be daddy like yeah it's gonna be (laughs) daddy very strange (laughs) Kieran we were taught Stu and I were talking a bit earlier about representation of gay families on uh, television and in soap operas and Stu was talking about modern family and how he feels that the representation of Cam and Mitchell with their adopted child isn't a particularly positive one. How do you feel as a as a TV actor and particularly in soaps, how do you feel that um, the media portrays queer families? And do you think that we need to have more representation in shows like Hollyoaks? I feel like... Right now, there's been a big shift and we are seeing it a lot more. I do quite like, in our show in particular, we're quite heavy on the LGBT uh, plus community. And what we're quite good at in our show is not making it an issue or a thing. And the sexuality of a character is normally the fifth, sixth, seventh most important thing about them. Everything else comes first. Then it does, oh, oh yeah, by the way, they're gay or they're a lesbian. So the fact that the, like my character in the show has got three kids it's never been like, he is a same-sex parent and it. it's just a parent, it's just a dad getting on with it. And I feel like that's what's great about Hollyoaks and the way that they do their LGBT plus stories, that it's not made a big thing of, it's just a, that's just part of their life and how they live it. And I feel like more TV shows are doing that. I see a lot of adverts at the minute which are using same-sex parents. And I would like to think it's not just ticking a box being like, let's just throw a same-sex family in this one just because we can we're seeing them being more like prominent on screen totally i think this is so so important and you know and like lottie said we've been talking a lot about how you know the more that there is the better i feel like the representation will be because at the moment because it's so few and far between you kind of put them under a microscope the ones that do and it would be nice to have such a varied different amount of families represented on screen and we're in the middle of pride month at the moment as we're speaking to you do you how do you celebrate in your family like do you do anything with the kids or do you use it as an opportunity to talk to the kids about you know the fact that they have gay dads we don't really talk we don't really say you've got um gay dads <laughs> good uh, morning you've got gay dads <laughs> yeah, we don't really know how to broach that subject yet i haven't took them to a pride or anything yet because i feel like they're too young because still at the minute it's i just think there's still lots of even though what it's about it kind of gets sidetracked sometimes and it's a lot about mm. let's get drunk and rah! so i feel like they're not ready for that yet but once they're at an age then obviously we'll sit them down and explain to them properly the history of being part of the lgbt plus community because they're always going to be a part of that now just because of who their dads are. Maybe on a march, because that's quite nice, and I think they'd enjoy that, but to an actual festival. Yeah, it's quite nice. I used to I used to work for Disney, and Disney did a little Pride event, and it was super family-friendly with Mickey and Minnie and Rainbow, and it was like that was like the perfect way of, of introducing them to the whole kind of concept of Pride. I think that's great. Maybe I need to research it more, then. If there was like a family event where, like you say, things like that were happening, then yeah, brilliant. But my go-to thing is just from being young early 20s and going to Manchester Pride and it was just messy yeah, I don't know how to blame you for not wanting to bring yeah. you for that 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. So we have a character on our show who is called Aunt Sally, who is basically this imaginary version of like the worst person you ever meet who asks the most inappropriate questions or somehow manages to upset you or your kids just by being ignorant and clueless about what it means to be a parent or a gay parent. So we were wondering if you had any Aunt Sally moments that you could share with us and if you could tell us about how you responded to them. Aunt Sally moments. Not within my friends or family or anything like that. I would just say people in general just say things without... They're not being malicious. So say, for instance, when the babies were baby babies, we took them on holiday and my husband's parents were there then it was obviously me and Carl and we had the babies with us and we all went to this restaurant to have some food and they were like tiny tiny babies where we were holding them in our arms like that and the the waitress came over and she's like oh is the mum giving you a night off so then it's that moment of like oh what do you say because this is a stranger do we really need to open up and say well actually there is no mum they've got two dads And then that kind of bled through into everyday life then in certain situations that we'd be in. That comment just gets mentioned all the time. So the last time it happened, we took them to, because soft plays have just opened up again, we took them to a soft play last week and Phoebe was running out and going to the toilet. We were sat back on the chairs and as she ran through to the toilet, this woman then like nudged into her and she's like, oh, you lost little girl, are you looking for your mum? Obviously, Phoebe's never really heard that before. So then the look on her face kind of like broke my heart. And I'm like, do I need to step in now? Because she's probably thinking, well, where is my mum? Does she does she ask for the mum when I'm not there? So 
it's just awkward that sometimes people say these things without thinking and there's no malice behind it but I don't think they understand that sometimes it could have repercussion so you could use the word where's your parent instead of where's your mum or where's your dad because I grew up without a dad basically and you know I remember sometimes when other kids would say in school about where's your dad then I would think about that and obviously that's going to be something that my kids have to hear and endure at some points in their school life so I want to be able to word it right and give them the right thing to say and know that they're loved and they've got two daddies and they might not have a mummy in their life but they've got an amazing surrogate mother who you know is the bestest human being in the world in my eyes the fact that she she did this amazing thing for myself and Carl. and if anyone's listening thinking about doing it don't oh, think that's about brilliant. it yes. Just do it yes totally oh, happy pride happy pride well Thank you, Kieran, for joining us today on Some Families. If you liked that interview, then go and have a listen to the rest of the series of Some Families. Stu, where can they listen to Some Families? Well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. And if you want to get in touch, you can email us at Lottie. (laughs) It's somefamilies at storyhunter.co.uk. And finally, check out our Instagram and Twitter, which is... At Some Families Pod. Oh, and we are also on Facebook too. Nice, Ms. Jeffs. We're practically Holly and Phil. Which is which? <laughs> For now, goodbye, my darling. Speak to you next week, Stu. Bye. This episode was produced and edited by Hattie Moyer. Some Families is a Story Hunter production. 